Welcome to the comments from the Peanut Gallery podcast. And now a word from our sponsors. The Wolf is here. The Lone Wolf Beard Company is Colorado's premium beard company offering 100% all-natural products to bearded beasts of all different shapes and sizes. Pick up your original scented product now and stand out from the pack. Because hey, let's be honest, you weren't meant to be in a pack and you were brought in this world to stand out and leave a mark. So unleash the wolf within, howl at the moon, and conquer your goals. Leave a mark, be a wolf, and seize the day. That's the Lone Wolf Beard Company. Colorado's premium beard company offering 100% all-natural products. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the comments from the Peanut Gallery podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Kurtz. I'm joined here right now with a very special guest, the well-traveled veteran, Mr. Brian Grinnell. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing fantastic. Just just got out of practice, so I'm feeling... You know, nice and loose. That's good. That's good. So you've got a you've got a big fight coming up in a couple of weeks. That's on the twenty fifth. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, twenty fifth in Shawnee, Oklahoma, at Fire Lake Arena. Okay, very nice. So, is there a spot where people can go to pick up tickets to follow you? Anything along those lines? Um, you can go to ticketstub.com. Uh, use promo code Grinnell uh, when you're checking out. Um, tickets should be selling pretty quick. I know there's a lot of local talent on the card. And I know that. Quite a few of them are selling a lot of like tickets locally. Well, that's definitely a good thing for you guys' side. You know, always nice yeah. to have a packed house to be fighting in front of. It's always fun. It's always fun to fight in Shawnee. Um, most of my family's from Shawnee, so I've got a I got a lot a lot, a lot coming to the fight. Should be fun. Should be a little barn burner. That's good. Then. That's definitely good on that side of things to have that support there. So, Brian, for yourself personally, where uh, where can people search it? Where can people follow you online? Um, you can follow me on uh, Instagram and Facebook at vgrinnell88. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm not really a big like video poster or blogger or anything like that. I, I spend most of my time in the gym, so it's kind of hard to keep my social media platform all that you know up to date. Understandable. You're taking care of business. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm a, I'm a gym addict, is what it is. Like, it, I call it as I see it. But you know, <laughs> hey, that's not a bad thing, especially when you're out. You know, when your living is based off of what you do physically. You know, it's not a bad thing to have a love for the grind. No, not at all. Not at all. No. So you know, in terms of team, what about team? Where can people search for anything on you know with your team, with your camp, anything like well, that? Well, my team is uh, Conquer BJJ. We're out here in Ada, Oklahoma. Uh, we've got a lot of talented fighters. We've got a lot of jiu-jitsu athletes. We've got a huge jiu-jitsu team. Um, you can uh, follow them at Conquer BJJ uh, on Instagram. And uh, our head coach is uh, uh, former Ultimate Fighter veteran Cortez Coleman. Um, he's a great leader. He's very motivational. He's very positive attitude on the team. Um, it's very different for me because I've kind of – I spent a lot of my career alone, like, you know, coaching myself, training myself, going to gyms, gym, gym hopping pretty much, but never really having a team. But my training's really changed here in the last, like, six months or so since joining with Conquer Cortez and all them. Shout out to Crazy Cowboy Cortez Coleman. That, that's the man right there. 
You know, yeah, uh, he's he's awesome. Always nice to you know shoot back messages back and forth with Cortez. We were actually talking about uh, I was talking with him about boxing and about you know how he's ready for Worlds this next week. Last night, so shout out to Cortez and everybody else from Conquer that's going out to Worlds this next week too, out in Vegas. So good luck to you yeah, all. Got out a there. Huge, got a huge competition team coming up. Um, like we, we're sending four of them out there. Uh, it should be interesting. I expect them to come home with some medals. I would want to be out there myself, like because I mean. Cage fighting's fun, but jiu-jitsu is my love, and they're going to, you know, Vegas, so, like, I can't, re- I'm, I'm super jealous, so <laughs> I'm probably going to take a little bit of that out on Tegan, so there may be a tiny bit of bad blood. Like I said, there was no bad blood, maybe there's a tiny bit of bad blood because I don't get to go to Vegas, okay, and that's Tegan's fault, and I'm going to take it out on him, so... Yeah, so for everybody out there listening, you know, uh, Brian is going to be fighting another Oklahoma guy named Tegan Dooley out there from uh, from Oklahoma City, which I had the opportunity of meeting him out there also in uh, in, uh, in Thackerville at the Windstar World Casino. Shout out to Daniel Scary Carey when I saw him tear up the Bellator cage a couple weeks ago. So definitely, uh, definitely looking forward to seeing how that one shakes up there for you. I also want to throw a shout out to another one of your teammates at uh, to KV to Chris Vereen. So Chris, Chris is a very good dude. You know, he's uh, we've had some good conversations and you know shared shared some thoughts back and forth. So shout out to you, KV. Yep, one of my top training partners. Uh, Daniel's another one of my top training partners. They're they're great guys. Uh, KV's just like he's got so much talent, and I look forward to seeing where he goes in the sport. Honestly, and Daniel is a workhorse. He's one of the biggest like hardest workers I know and he's always put in time and effort and I mean we've got we've got some really talented team like I've got some really talented teammates and I'm just really honored to be a part of everybody and it it really is like helping my game overall oh I can only imagine you know it seems like you guys also have out there at Conquer a very tight-knit like family bond almost you know, it seems like just from the posts following you guys online and all that, that it, you guys are even outside of training time, you know, you're, you're hanging out together for barbecues or, you know, doing fireworks on the holidays and that those sorts of things. So I'm sure yeah. that definitely has to help, you know, your development all it, across the board. It really does. It helps you having a support system, you know. Uh, it's a very interesting sport, especially to be associated with, you know, because it's not very mainstream and even – like outside of the gym, even your like real family could look at it and see and kind of, you know, act like you're a little strange for doing the things that you love to do. And the, the with the team and the gym, we we all feel like we belong. You know, nobody really like we all like to dress up in pajamas and choke each other. Like I mean, it's not a normal hobby, <laughs> right? But exactly. We feel like you know we actually have a group that we we feel conformity with, and we all feel very comfortable, and it's. It's very soul satisfying to have a group like that that all, all supports each other in their dreams. That's awesome. You know, I mean, that that's that's the best thing that I feel like someone could come away from a team and from a solid camp in that respect, being able to say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Brian, you yourself, you're pretty well traveled as far as some of the different promotions that you fought for. You know, you've been from everything from King of the Cage to XFN to Shamrock Fights to Bellator. Talk to us a little bit about your experiences, you know, across the board with your uh, with your different promotions and travels. Man, like, that is one thing that I am truly grateful for with when it comes to mixed martial arts because uh, 
I mean, when I started this weird journey, I was like 17, starting to fight amateur, like in Tennessee when it was illegal. So um, to go from, you know, fighting in empty pavilions and illegal fights there to, like you said, being able to travel nationally. Um, I went to Arizona. I got to climb mountains. Like it's been a real interesting ride and it was never anything I honestly like truly intended to happen. So that makes it more fun, I guess. Um, cause I started doing all this cause I like to lift weights. Like I said, I'm a gym junkie and I just didn't want to be that buff guy that didn't, you know, that's all he did was lift weights. Like I just wanted something to, okay, I'm going to go, you know, cause I wrestled in high school, but I wanted something else competitive to do. And so I started taking Muay Thai and Sambo and it kind of just evolved into what it is now. And here we are. Like, like, like you said, I've traveled a lot of places and I've been a lot of places and I've, I don't know, I'm just truly blessed, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, I mean, that, that's definitely good on that side of things. So, so you mentioned, you know, getting into Sambo and all that. It's not really one that a lot of people talk about getting in, you know, especially stateside or getting in and involved with that way. So that, that's really cool. You're actually the first person that I've talked to who's mentioned that discipline specifically that they've, you know, pursued or, or you know, gotten involved with. Well, my okay, like back in the day, like we'll say like 2007, Okay, uh, I joined a gym called Nemesis Muay Thai, and they had a jiu-jitsu program, but I was a wrestler, so I just stuck to no-gi, so I, stu- I stayed away from the gi. Well, the guy that was teaching the no-gi classes at the time was a sambo practitioner, and he would preach the power of leg locks, and back in 2006, that was like speaking heresy like if you you spoke to yeah they'd address burn him at the stake and now seeing what what it's turned around in full like you know full circle everybody's throwing leg locks out it's the new big thing and everything but my coach back then was practicing some of the same leg locks that you see now and so it was really interesting that because I I did like we practiced sambo we practiced in the gi tops and the shorts and the shoes and we practice leg locks and neck cranks, and no other gyms would do those things. And now I find myself and my left leg lock is a little bit farther ahead of people my like belt ranking, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I find myself with very strong leg game because of that. Like I love leg locks. Like it, it makes my heart happy when somebody tries to attack my feet because that means I can attack their feet first. Yeah, like, definitely. I, 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 like, truly, like, Sambo is one of the true martial arts that I respect the most out of, like, all of the mixed martial art genres, you know, you hear of, Muay Thai, boxing, kickboxing, all that stuff. Like, Sambo is probably the scariest. Because if you get a true Sambo practitioner, that's a bad son of a bitch. Like, period. Like, you can get, you know... A softer Muay Thai coach, a softer jiu-jitsu fighter, all that kind of stuff. But you get a Sambo black belt, and that guy is probably, he probably, like, did 10 years in prison somewhere and doesn't want to talk about it. Like, he's just probably a scary, scary person. They're, like, they're just tougher. They're, like, look at Khabib, okay? Khabib is a perfect example. He's a 
just tough as nails, just grind you out, like, whatever you give him, he's going to wrench on it, he's going to crank on it, he's just going to continue to beat you. Like, it's just a hard-knock sport, and it's hard to beat. Mm -hmm. I always think of Fedor, too. Yes, exactly. Like, or like that guy that I, who, Vagov, the guy that I fought at World Series, that's a a good one. (laughs) And then, too, you know, too, if there's somebody who's versed in Sambo, you might be flying through the air. That's yeah. a, that's a strong that's a strong motherfucker picking you up. Well, like, and you never know where the attack is going to come from when it comes to sambo fighting. Like, sambo fighting is very attack oriented, but it's very fluid. My like, okay, my cousin Cody Lyles fought a sambo practitioner out at Fire Lake Grand back in like I want to say 2012, and Cody took him down. I was beating on him from side control, and all he did was just step his leg over to go to mount and gave too much room for the hip, and that dude tore his knee apart with a heel hook. Like, and it was just that fast. It was so quick. It was so methodical, and he just gave his leg away for just a split second, and now the fight's over. Like, yep. And they just snap on those things, and they'll take them off. And, you know, with you having so many years of submission grappling experience, have you ever endured a serious injury along those lines no every time i've ever hurt myself it was completely like you would never think it was it would happen like that um i tore the meniscus in one of my knees uh and i did that just warming up like i was bouncing around i I did a lunge forward and when i did the lunge backwards it just locked up lit on fire and I couldn't bend it. So I went and ended up having to have surgery. Yeah. I've never really been hurt grappling. Like all of the experience lets me know when to tap. I know when to tap. (laughs) Yeah. Makes total sense. But you know, sometimes you fall, you know, you fall into something kind of awkwardly or, you know, you get someone who kind of take, you know, takes a, takes a hard crank or something. Sometimes it happens. You know, I just figured it would be worth asking the question. No, no. I mean, I've I've been very lucky. Knock on whatever I can knock on to not be injured mainly in training. Like anytime I've ever been injured, it's always something dumb like that. So you mentioned, you know, you mentioned being on the jujitsu side, going mostly no gi when you first got into it. Do you like going in the gi now more? You know, or or what? What's your kind of thought on I, that? I would say I'm probably a 90% gi grappler. Like, um, I I think it makes my overall grappling game better, my control game better. Um, positioning is always tighter. Uh, I do no gi predominantly when I'm getting ready for fights, and that's about it. Um, but I prefer, honestly, to grapple in the gi. Uh, Except it limits my leg lock game, which is very irritating. I don't know. I have my issues with both sides of it at this point. <laughs> Makes sense, especially you know, as much as you do it from uh, from both ends of it. So with uh, with your career and in competition, have you stayed mostly at the same weight class? Have you kind of bounced back and forth? What have you done on that? Um. I wrestled in high school at 171, and since then I've either fought at 185 or 170, like pretty much the whole time. Yeah, 
Make, makes sense there, staying within that same general window. Do you wish that there would be maybe like an inner, you know, an intermediate class in there? I mean, there's a lot of people that are talking about the push of having an every 10 type of weight class scenario. What, what's your thoughts there? Well, well, when it comes to the weight classes, I, I would prefer – a 165 because like when i do weigh in for 170 i usually make about 166 um and i've like when i would fight at 185 i would be the way smaller 185 or and when i fight at 170 i'm still not really big like i'm not a very big guy i'm only five nine like i'm just a little on the thicker side but um like, I would prefer, like, 165, I think, would be a dynamite weight class, and I think that 175 would be, too. I think that if you split those two weight classes up, you would see a lot better performance out of the same people that you see in the 170 weight class. Just predominantly because the weight cuts are either not enough or too much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, because you have big, giant dudes like Darren Till out there who, you know, Till is a very, very big man mm-hmm. trying to make that 170 cut. If there's yeah. a 75, you know, he probably makes that without having to, you know, damn near be on the brink of death while, you know, going through going through those last couple of days of the cut. So I, I definitely, I, I would say that you, you would see a lot more of a benefit on the fighter side on that. That's, that's definitely oh, yeah. for sure. And especially with what they've got going on now with the, uh, um, like the, they're talking about doing the hydration testing for, mm-hmm. uh, for fighters and everything like that. I think it only makes sense to add the weight classes. Cause if you're only going to allow a 10 pound weight gain with water, um, after weigh-ins, which is what they're talking about, or what is it? It's, it's 10%, 10%, 10%, yeah. 10%, 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. I mean, still, that's still, that's still not quite a bit. I mean, I know some of the smaller weight classes, you know, the littler guys, they put on 20, 30 pounds overnight, you know, mm-hmm. the bigger, the bigger end, you usually don't get as much of a gain as you think they do. Like the bigger guys usually only gain about 10 or so, but the little guys swell up. So yeah, it was kind know. of interesting. They, uh, they released the numbers from the last UFC from, uh, from the TJ Cody one of, uh, of that next day weight. And it was, it was kind of, kind of interesting to see that nobody was really, nobody was under the 10% mark. Pretty much everybody was over 10 and some guys upwards of 20 plus. Jeez. So that's, that's pretty crazy to think of in that respect. I, you know, I think states like California are pretty progressive about what they're trying to do with that, with implementing the hydration point testing, with doing that next day, the 10%. It's really and truly, 1FC is the one who they're trying to mimic, I feel like really trying to mimic. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what would be your thought there? Because you know, are, are you familiar with what 1FC has done with weight cuts or weight classes, all of that? No, what are they doing? So basically what they did, and you know, this is this is taking it from Ben Askren's description of what, what went on with it, but what Ben Askren said was they basically everybody bumped up a weight class. They don't do weight cuts anymore really there. You fight more so at your true weight. And you have to be they, they monitor you within, you know, within a certain way. They, the way that they regulate it, they have a track of where when you first start to where you're when you're competing and you can't lose more than a certain amount and you have to stay above a certain hydration threshold is the way that I understand it. 
So basically, you know, if you were with him being the 170 champ, he he then became the 185 champ as soon as they uh, implemented these measures. So pretty much everybody just bumped up a class. Interesting. Yeah, so kind of an interesting way, but they they say that, you know, they feel like it's helped on the fighter safety side. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know, I feel like there's it's it's still such an evolution of the sport. I mean, if you're looking at it on the on the commercial scale, if you're just talking, you know, UFC being in the limelight, it's only twenty five years. That you know, that yeah. that was oh, back yeah, when sure. it was no holds barred, you know, op- open weight classes, all of that. So I I feel like half the time the governing bodies for the sport are still trying to learn on the fly just as fast as, you know, almost everybody consuming the sport. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, 100%. I mean, um, I had a, I had the chance to, cause I retired after my world series of fighting fight for a while. Cause I didn't have a team. I didn't have a camp and I didn't even have the heart to get back into the cage. But, um, I got the chance to work for the Chickasaw gaming commission. And it's like you said, they are constantly trying to revamp the rules, trying to update things, trying to make it safer and better for the fighters. And it's, it's a constant, like, they're always doing these conventions where they're redoing the rules and they're going over classes and doing judging classes and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's a constant, like, thing where they're constantly trying to figure out what MMA should be because it still is in this like up in the air, not sure what the rules should be, what strikes to use, what's legal, what's not legal. <laughs> I mean, heck, we just recently figured out what the uniform should be, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, well, and then with, with that too, you know, when you have uh, differences in rules and regulations from state to state as well, when it's not, you know, something that's completely standard across the board, I feel like that just adds to the amount of variables in the equation that these commissions are trying to figure out. Yeah, 100%. You know, because what was, uh, it was, uh, I can't remember which card it was. It was a recent one, but it was a difference of, it might have been the one that was down in Texas. It was a fight night a few weeks back, but I can't remember what the rule was. It might have, it might have been in the Poirier Alvarez fight that there was something in relate that they were talking about with the difference of like the knee knee to a grounded opponent situation. I can't remember the exact example. Was it the elbow? Was it the twelve to six elbow? The twelve to six. There was a twelve to six. That got called, but I I don't know if they were just. Re- I can't remember if they were just referencing it from the last fight when they you know from the first time when there was a controversy. But, but you know, just an example of where in one state something was legal, you know, like a th- three points being considered a grounded opponent versus just being two, you know, with a hand down versus a hand up type of situation. I can't remember the exact example, so you'll have to excuse me on that one. But, you know, it is something that you have to well, know. Now it has to be a four point. Like, four point is down, three point is not. And I, like, be- I believe that there's... The- Two states, from what they were talking about with that rule, I think Texas and somewhere else, Texas and New, and New Jersey, I think, are different. Well, we still use, Oklahoma still uses the three points. Is the three? Okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. I know that they were talking about there's only a few states in the entire nation where it's a little bit different with that rule specifically. I just couldn't remember the specifics off the top of my head. I mean, watch so much of it, how could, you know, I can't remember all the exact specifics yeah, I, that way. You know, with uh, with 
all the big moves business wise with uh, with the you know because you fought for World Series of Fighting. Now it seems like with that being PFL, that's taken off pretty well. What do you think of that promotion? Um, I mean, the Professional Fight League is definitely you know they're doing some different stuff, and it's very interesting to watch. Uh, they've got a they've got a lot of good talent over there, um, but uh, yeah, it should be. I mean, I like I. Like, uh, I was my, one of our, like, team, our, like, team teammates, uh, Brian Foster was supposed to fight for them not long ago, and I think he got injured, and, but other than that, I haven't really kept up with a whole lot from them, like, man, I, it's so hard for me to catch up with MMA nowadays, it's so hard. Oh, um, I'm sure. Especially with your training schedule, you know, being in the gym all the time, it's it, it's tough to keep up with all the moving parts out there. Especially with as much as it, is, you know, with as much as it's grown, there's so many different promotions out there between PFL to LFA to the Bellators to King of the Cage, still, you know, in the mix with some of those. Things. There, there's a lot that's out there to pay attention to. I do really like the, the way that PFL is doing that point system. I think that that's kind of a cool concept. You know, kind of the tournament style format that way. I think it makes it a little bit, you know, especially from my end of it as a fan just kind of consuming it to see, all right, well, this guy yeah. won in this round with a finish, so that's going to give him, you know, first round finish, six points. You know, so then he's going on and he's going to get the higher seat. So, yeah, I, you know, I think it's kind of cool that way and that they pretty much, they're pretty good with their, you know, with their posts online of showing where each guy is at as far as their point accumulation and all of that. So it makes it interesting to see, you know, where the bracket is kind of stacking up for, I think it's like a $50,000 prize or something like that if you if uh, you win the, the bracket or something like that. So I think it's kind of cool. With uh, you know, with you with jujitsu, do you do a lot of jujitsu comps too as well? Uh, yeah, I try to compete probably four times a year, um, just to you know have something to do. Like jujitsu is just one of those things. It's like a, it's like my hobby. Like I go do it just to do it, just to make myself say every day. I guess. Okay. I go to the competitions just. I guess to see how much better I am at it than than I was the last time before. Just kind of give yourself. That doesn't a always work out. Though. Yeah. Got to see where you're at, though, right? Got to test the waters. <laughs> exactly. So you know, one question that I always uh, that I always like to ask all the fighters that I have on is the ever uh, the ever important weight cut question. Have you ever had a difficult weight cut or a complication with a weight cut? A complication? No, I've I have always made weight, always. Now that has sucked a few times. Um, there's been more than one time that I've had to pull at least like 15 pounds in 24 hours. That's usually the worst. But I mean, I I say lean. I predominantly don't get don't eat a bunch of crap food i don't drink soda pop like even on the off seasons so weight has never really been a serious issue like when i had 185 that's that's not that i walk around at 185 right so it'd be this but, more so the 70 bouts yeah and that's usually when i get a phone call like hey you're fighting in three days <laughs> 
Yeah, short notice ones. That that's always the worst, right? Yeah. So you know when you have to cut that much, you know, fifteen to twenty within, uh, you know, I I'm familiar with the process just from you know being a big fan of the sport, but I know a lot of people aren't exactly familiar with exactly what that looks like on the weight on the actual cut side, especially within that small window. For you specifically, is that you know, are you sauna and tubbing? Are you going blanket laying? What what are you doing when you do your cut for that significant amount of weight during that short time window? It's, it's situational. Usually, you have to make do with the what you're given. Like you know what I mean. Some like some towns just don't have a sauna. Some days it's thirty degrees outside. Like um, I've wrapped myself in blankets and rolled myself up in the wrestling mats and just laid there. Um, I drove to St. Louis. Uh, with like a hoodie and a sweater and a sauna suit, blasting the heater the whole way uh, to make weight. Um, I don't know. You just do what you got to do. Like I don't. I just have always just done what is necessary to make weight. So whatever I've had to get through to do that, I've done it. And so every time I've had an opponent that doesn't make weight, it really, really, really irritates me. Like on a like on a. Like it irritates me to my like in the soul. <laughs> Does it I make it that much more personal? Yeah, I take that personally, like one hundred percent. Like not making weight is the most unprofessional spit in the face to your opponent that you that you can have, as far as I'm concerned. I don't care if you sit there and talk all the smack in the world, call my mom, whatever you want to, like, you know, talk about my dogs and my girlfriend, I don't care. But just make weight, okay? That's all I'm asking. It's all the contract asks, okay? Like, the professional contract says, you're going to show up at this weight, and you're going to fight me. Other than that, I don't really give two craps what you do. Like, just show up on weight. Oh, I, I completely agree with you there. You know, that's 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 just disrespectful to the sport, too, as well, in that respect. You know, and, and or not, not in that respect, but on that side of things, you know. You're, you're agreeing for something. The, the, the classic, well, I don't know what happened. I was like, you've weighed 10 times today. You know damn good and well what happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it, it's cheating. To me, it's cheating. Because if you had to go through the grind to push yourself through those last couple of pounds, and he didn't have to go through those last couple of pounds to get there, that's cheating. And I think that the record, if you know, and I don't know what to say it is on some of the regional promotions or on anything else, just because the infographics are typically always there for uh, for the UFC being as big of a, an entity as it is. But the numbers haven't lied this year at all. People that have made weight have won almost every, or excuse me, that have missed weight have won almost every single fight this year so far during 2018. I believe that. So you know, like I say it's uh, it's. It really is cheating. It's it's a quantifiable difference on paper, the advantage that you're getting. I know, and then, then they try to give you 20% of the purse, and I'm like, well, I'm going to lose half of my winnings if you win, so that doesn't exactly even out, does it? Right, well, and that, that begs the question, you know, if, if you're only going to, in, you know, and with that, uh, you know, especially depending on what kind of show money that you're getting, if you're only having to sacrifice that 20% of your show money, 
why why not just take that you know just consider that you're not even getting that 20% you're going to get your win bonus because you're coming in over you're taking the advantage what you know yeah. do you think that they should increase the penalty yeah 100% what would you like to see it or what in your I would like best, to see you know? probably, I would like to see suspensions like because um, frankly it's disrespectful it's unprofessional and it's Illegal according to the contract, and I'm not going to bust out a lawyer and sue whoever it is over some legality of some dude not making weight by five pounds. But at the same time, it's unfair to the fighters that expect to be protected by these legal documents that we sign to these big promotions or these to the regional promotions, and then they turn around and then they don't follow through with their own contracts. It's very... um, unprofessional on all fronts. You know what I mean? And then they try to pay you off to make it okay, which is unacceptable also because it's just trying to buy me off for, you know, you dicking me over in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm glad to know that you have a pretty strong stance on that. Definitely good to see you know, support from that. And hopefully they make some changes out there because, you know, I just feel like it, it makes it makes stuff get watered down. You know, if if you have too many, you know, if you have like Mackenzie Dern coming out there for a one fifteen fight, weighing in at you know one twenty two or something, you know, whatever it was that she weighed yeah. in for her last fight, like you didn't even fucking try. You did not even try if you're coming in that heavy. Plain and mm-hmm. simple. You know, wh- smiling scales like no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. You know what? What's the hardest food for you to give up while you're cutting? Donuts. Donuts? You have a big big sweet tooth? Yeah. Not a huge one, but just occasionally I like to go on a late night donut, like, binge. Like, right when the donut shop opens at, like, 10 when they're still hot. Nice. (laughs) Very nice. You know, I got to ask you because when I was uh, when I was kind of you know taking my my road trip tour going out there to watch Daniel fight a couple a uh, couple of months ago with it being or last month I should say with with you guys being kind of in a smaller rural type area for the most part how do you find it you know as far as ease of access for you mentioned eating healthy and staying pretty up on the you know the health and wellness end do you find it a little bit harder for access for you know good quality Nutrition and things along those lines versus, you know, maybe if you're in a bigger area? I cook, so not really, no. Um, I mean, there's a few restaurants in town, like, that have healthy options pretty much because Ada's, you know, it's a rural town, but there's a very big fitness movement in town. And so there's healthy options at a lot of the local restaurants, like uh, the local barbecue shop has a, a smoked fish and veggie plate with rice and there's a local coffee shop. You can go get, like, egg whites for breakfast and grapefruit and stuff. And So it's not really, like, Ada's kind of conformed to the health movement that you see nowadays. So it's it's not as difficult to find food as it used to be. That's understandable. And, yeah, when I was going through some of those, uh, through some of the small towns, you know, having to stop for gas or, you know, bathroom breaks, whatever, I'm like, man, I don't know how the people yeah, in these towns do with this yeah, yeah, no, especially the ones in Texas. They eat Sonic, they eat Sonic for three meals a day. That's how they do that. 
Yep. Well, you can definitely tell by some of the people that I ran into too, as well. You know, there's uh, there's some great people down there, but there's also some where I was like, man, your blood type is probably you know uh, you know one one step off, or you know you're one step off of being a, a straight up flag for diabetes right there if you don't already have it. Yeah. Simply yeah, like just you know, was- everything was filled with sugar and butter. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much it. Homemade. They call that homemade. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it definitely had that homemade taste to it. That's for sure. But yeah, exactly right. That's love, is what that is. It that, is. It that, is. That, that's not a heart palpitation. That's love. So, Brian, I just want to ask you a couple of you know kind of rapid fire questions in relation you know to the game and all that. You've kind of answered a couple of them already just through the midst of our conversation. But you know, that being said, first off, who is the ideal matchup for you at any weight class? Ideal match, like, like who, like who's who, my dream fight? Yeah, who's your dream fight? I mean, I would love to fight Rory McDonald personally, um, but uh, like a grappling super fight, I would love to go with. I would love to roll with Jake Shields. That would be fun. I know he doesn't fight MMA anymore, but I'd like to maybe hit a fight to win. Maybe if he's he's out there and he happens to see this. <laughs> That'd be awesome, you know. I I, I love Jake Shields way back when, you know. Scra- I'm a huge Scrap Pack fan. Oh yeah, he's, I mean, he was my idol growing up. I loved watching. Like he actually, he actually, he fought an MMA fight, I think, for PFL about a month and a half ago. Did he really? Okay. Yeah, cool. he he lost, unfortunately, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I do remember him being, you know, there being a big deal about you know the return of Jake Shields to the cage. I'm pretty sure it was PFL that it was for, though. Awesome. But yeah, no, like I say, uh, well, you know, interesting that you mentioned that. No, nobody really mentions him a whole lot in these discussions. So cool uh, cool memories right there with the Scrap Pack. At any weight class. Yeah, I'm, I'm older. Like, I've been watching MMA since, like, UFC 1. Like, I, I prefer the gra- the older greats. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily watch much of the newer UFC stuff. Like, I'm too busy in the gym. <laughs> That's totally understandable, man. So, you know, we mentioned at any weight class. What about at your class specifically? What, you know, would you call it for 170? Obviously, that would be Rory. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Rory, definitely Rory. You'd call Rory, you know, any weight class all, all across the board. That's your guy. What about, yeah. you know, what about if, if we're talking, you know, stand up or ground? Like if I got to box it out with somebody? Yeah, what, where, where, what's your choice? Would you rather keep it up or take it to the ground? I'm a ground fighter, 100. percent But I mean, I can fight anyway. I don't care. Like, we can fight. Let's do it. Punches or kicks? Kicks. I have little T-Rex arms, so. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu or wrestling? What's my end goal? <laughs> like, do I want to just go home quick, or do I want to make him not have a good night? <laughs> Um, honestly, wrestling is probably wrestling. I love jujitsu, but wrestling. What do you feel like is the superior art of all arts? The one that works. <laughs> the one that works. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. 
you know, some people just, you know, very, very much so have, you know, like, hey, I think wrestling is, you know, is the dominant or, you know, BJJ is, uh, you know, is the ultimate neutralizer or, you know, and then sometimes I've talked to a couple of strikers where are like, hey, I don't give a shit if you're the best grappler in the world. You still have to step, start off standing. And if I tag you before you get a hold of me, then that's game over. So yeah. I, just like, I just like to win fights and it usually requires a combination of everything. So I don't. Like, and even then, it's hard to break down on which one. Because I mean, wrestling footwork is the same footwork as boxing. I mean, Muay Thai, like, I, it a lot. Of, I mean, it's all it's all the damn same as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, I get it. I get what you understand. I get what you're saying. Thai style or Dutch style kickboxing? Ooh, that's tough. Probably Dutch. Dutch. And why? I like heavy kicks. Tie is a little bit more. I like the I like tie knees and elbows, but I just like to kick the shit out of people, just to kick them really hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's understandable. Can't really argue with that answer there. You know, Brian, is there anything that we haven't maybe covered that you really want to make sure that the people out there know or hear from you at all? No, I think we covered pretty much everything, bro. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to say thank you very much for you know for taking the time to uh, to come on the show and uh, and you know giving me the time of day for uh, for the podcast. So I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Especially you know any anybody who uh, who Cortez speaks for, you definitely are certified on that side of things because you don't you don't you know that that's the one thing that I love about the fight game is. You know, for lack of a better term, fake shit snuffs itself out. Yeah, pretty much. You know, if, That's what uh, I like about it. If, if there's fluff and BS, it's not going to last for long. So I, I really do uh, you know, respect that about the sport and about the game on that side of things. So like I say, man, I really do want to thank you on that. Just a quick note on my side of things or from the peanut gallery side. This is comments from the peanut gallery. Make sure that you go to www.cftpg.com to pick up all of your official comments from the peanut gallery merchandise. I also want to throw a quick couple of shout outs to my partners over at the Lone Wolf Beard Company, Colorado's premium all natural beard product provider. I also want to throw a shout out to Lion League Music for some of the best in the up and coming talent across the, uh, the mountain region. And I also want to throw a shout out to the Turp House for, uh, for being one of the best in the industry leaders in the CBD industry. Incredible for the recovery. Definitely keeps you on point as far as how your body feels. And I also want to shout out to uh, to my boy Austin Jones from Factory X, who is uh, who is just booked for a fight on the LFA card in uh, in September, as well as Selena Rowland, who will be fighting for the uh, for the Nemesis Fight Promotions down at Jackson's MMA in Colorado in October. So shout out to all of you guys out there. Just to wrap things up right here, one last time for you, Brian. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online on Facebook or Instagram at bgrinnell88. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. And just one last time for the people out there, where can they uh, where can they search tickets for you? Uh, tickets for me are on ticketstub.com. Uh, search Fire Lake Arena. Um, they're under HDMMA. Uh, we've we're fighting on the twenty fifth uh, next weekend in Shawnee, Oklahoma. 
So there you have it right there, folks. Make sure that you uh, you queue in that promo code when you're picking up tickets. It's going to go directly toward his allocation. And that is, uh, that is as far as that code goes, you'll see it coming across the bottom of your screen right here once it's coming along. But make sure that is G-R-I-N-N-E-L-L. So you guys type that in. That's going to make sure that my boy right here gets credit as far as those ticket sales. And we'll be all set up, up and running. Brian, like I say, man, thank you very much for coming on and taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks Absolutely, so much. Absolutely, man. So on the outro right here, we're going to hit you guys off with a little bit of music from Lion League. So make sure that you guys follow them online too as well and show them some love. Thank you very much. Have a great night, folks. Dinner place for Judas niggas claiming family. I'm no sacrifice. Grip a 40, sip a 40 for them gutter pains. Keep a release on a mobile for them show me nice. I ain't living right, long let it gang Maximize capital, finite physical Fuck metaphorical, my whole life digital Dash for that play, now I'm playing, I never play though And chords get stringy when you tired, line the queso Dime lo mijo, that's what they say when I free flow Might wet that sweet spot, that's less love me flowing From no M state, still screaming BMO My time is my time, homie, I speed slow No eyes, strong ties, fuck a Rico Get thanks, drive slow and stack peso Kiss your minds out through my little vessel, yeah Lay low and stay cool, this shit's stressful, boy That's why I stay high Look, there they go, macadamian Don't know a brainy in a match a cranium So we roll up on you like Damien And that Mercedes Benz Got weed and drink with some lady friends Who got the latest shit, but they fans and shit So I ain't hit, damn here go the base again Renovate your place again, we on the Vegas trip Rockin' straight out that bodega shit You know we so legit, with no limit Like I'm Soldier Slim, but I'm more like PMC, pinkies up, feel me Got my soldiers with me and my youngest Down the ride, got some bread up in the hills Got some sauce up on the side Got Tino in here working like a nigga working nice Said your girl just ain't his type She just trying to catch a ride And she with it And she so committed Damn your boy is fresh to death And you ain't even sent it We cut from a different cloth And you can check my linens Cause I was trying to stand out When you was trying to fit in Adios